0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 143 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Omega Fields, the world's best omega-3 supplements for horses. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have a two-part series on Monty Roberts talking about whips in racing. This is Debbie Loughs, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the first and the fifteenth of the month, and I have my trusty producer Jen with me today. Hi, tech lady. Hello. I'm trusty now. Yay. Yes, and and yes, and you pull me out of the the worst tech spots I can imagine. But you know that's that's <laughs> not very deep for hey, me. Nothing. <laughs> nothing risked. Nothing gained. Thank you. That's that's how you got me in this podcasting thing after all. That's true. We did browbeat you into it after all. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm I'm having a lot of fun. It is fun to be able to say I'd love to hear your opinion about and have an excuse for that, you know, before it was just being nosy, right? <laughs> <laughs> See, now you have a reason. This is important. Huh? This is my job to be nosy. This is my job. I'm supposed to ask you these questions. So yeah. So it is a lot of fun. And and this one is it was particularly interesting to me because there were some recent changes uh, suggested by the U.S. Jockey Club uh, to the U.S. racing industry, and I sat down and listened to the two-hour conference that they had put on recently, and they're making suggestions. Now, we'll see what the rest of the world, or at least in the U.S., with pressure from the outside, is going to do about that. It'll be interesting.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to hear Monty's take on it, and then, like you said, see where they go long term. Yeah, it is. It's Mm -hmm. kind of a kind of an interesting time to be involved with horses and to be watching the industry and and uh, see if they see if they seize this opportunity to
1: make it better for the horses and
2: and better for everybody.
1: Yeah. So we're going to hear one man's opinion today who's been in the thoroughbred racing industry pretty much his whole life. And so there will be others. And we'll follow this story for our listeners because we care about being fair to horses. There we go. And we're going to
2: hear about what Monty has to say right after we hear about this from Omega Fields.
1: At Flagstaff Up Farms, we've used Omega Fields Horseshine for years and we love the results. And we're not the only ones. Rita Vaughn has this to say about her experience with Omega Horseshine. I have a five-year-old colt that I raised. For the past two years, he's been struggling with an extreme allergy to fly bites. So bad, he has chewed places on his body raw. I had tried everything to relieve this colt of this extreme allergy. My vet this spring recommended Horseshine. I began using your Omega Horseshine product about six weeks ago. Total change in this colt. 80% of the itching has stopped. I'm figuring with continued use, it'll be 100%. He's a Palomino. His color has become beautiful golden. I can't believe the change. I'm truly thankful for this product. Monty Roberts is the creator of the world-renowned and revolutionary equine training technique called Join Up. Monty travels the world demonstrating that nonviolent, gentle training techniques create breakthrough performance as you partner with your horse. Monty grew up on a working horse farm as a first-hand witness to traditional, often violent methods of horse training and breaking the spirit with an abusive hand. Rejecting that, he went on to win 11 World Championships in the show ring. Today, Monty's goal is to share his message that violence is never the answer. Monty is credited with launching the first of its kind, Equus Online University, an interactive online lesson site that is the definitive learning tool for violence-free training. Well, welcome, Dad, Monty Roberts. Glad to have you back.
0: Hi, Debbie. Everything all right?
1: Everything is going great. I was just there last night, and as we were concluding our day yesterday up at the farm, um, what I asked you to do is maybe set aside some time today before you fly off to Australia. I know you're going to be working with some thoroughbreds in the racing industry down there for the Kennedy Racing Team and, and your team down there, and... I wanted to get your response to what I think people should put in the calendar. August 13, 2019, Tuesday, was, an I think, an epic day in racing, if it will be followed on, because I'm reading everywhere that the Jockey Club of the United States of America concluded its 67th annual roundtable Sunday, a few days ago, in Saratoga, New York, and they are recommending that the American thoroughbred industry unite on several measures. And they are measures that I know that you've been outspoken about for decades, literally decades. And I this is not an admonishment, but it's an encouragement today because I think that's just the door opener. And I want to hear your reaction. So they want to unite on several measures from banning the use of the whip, quote unquote, for encouragement, to uniting on the drug policies in American racehorses, Yahoo, and bringing interference rules in racing in compliance with worldwide practices. And I can't think of a better person. I'm not prejudiced here, but I can't think of a better person on earth to take a global look at, let's call it humane behavior toward our horses in the racing industry than you. What is your response to all this news?
0: Well, it's a response of joy, Debbie. One could say, my word, it's taken you a long time. But I I don't want to wag any fingers here. I, I would just say I am so pleased that we are making this move and leave it at that.
1: That's wonderful. That's that's great. I mean, I, I think that that's what we want to take this encouragement to the The people that will be listening to the jockey club, we hope that is the official breed registry for the North American Thoroughbreds. And, and it's a strong advisory board for the Thoroughbred industry in the United States. And so now they officially, they, they officially hand this off to the regulatory authorities in the 38 states that, that sponsor Thoroughbred racing. What would you say to those regulatory bodies about this news?
0: Debbie, I would say, my word, we are an intelligent species. And the evidence is there for decades and decades in our racing industry that we've made mistakes in some of the things we've allowed and some of the things we've failed to disallow. So I'm very pleased that we're making this move. Someone recently said, wow, we need to make this global. Well, let me tell you that mm-hmm. we're the last ones. It is global. They're way ahead of us in the other countries. And it's certainly time that we take these measures, not only to protect our horses, but to protect our own investment in the horses, because it is healthier and better for our horses uh, to get some of these measures out of their lives, like same-day medications, race-day medications. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm.
1: And what, why is that? What, what is? It sounds healthy. I mean, you want your horses to be pain-free, don't you?
0: We certainly do. We want them to be pain-free. However, if it requires that they have some medication in order to be pain-free going into the race, they are not fit to put their lives on the line to race, Mm -hmm. and they need rest or recuperation or treatment without the exertion of a race. Same-day medication gets us in far more trouble than it ever helps, and Furthermore, same-day medication is used in so many cases to mask the use Hmm. of other substances that are banned. And everybody now knows that, and retiring veterinarians are admitting that. So it's time to make the changes.
1: Okay. I agree. And one of the three issues that were forefront of this decision from the Jockey Club in its 67th meeting is interference in races. And I think that's going to bridge us over into the whip. So let's start with the interference. What what's been your stance on the rules on interference? Do you have one?
0: Well, the whole thing where I stand is that whips cause interference. Whips cause the horses to change directions or adjust their directions, and so they get in the way of other horses. The bumping and the twisting of horses in the race occurs after the whips come out, and that is clearly defined by people such as the announcer at Santa Anita, Trevor Denman, A wonderful man who has a brain you you can't believe he can do seven things at the same time including remembering all the names of the horses in the race and the jockey that's riding them and everything it's um, a mind-boggling situation Trevor Denman is a genius and he he was outspoken decades ago about the fact that the whips are causing the accidents in racing
1: yeah. And that's because the arms are flailing around. You've got one hand on the reins and one hand on a stick. And is that pretty much what you're saying is when those whips come out is when there's flinching and moving over into lanes? And
0: Yeah, well, there's two things that happen to a horse's brain when the whips come out. One is that they realize from experience before that it, they're going to get hit and that it's going to cause pain. So they make adjustments without even being hit. Then when they are struck with the whip, the adjustments become far more extreme and often turn out to be an accident. Mm. And the accident could take the lives of humans as well as the horses.
1: That's always been a curiosity of mine. The jockeys have, it seems, maybe they're just being supportive of the industry, to be as strong a proponent for keeping whips as anybody else, why would that be?
0: Often stronger, Debbie, for some reason. But there's this thing in our lives called brainwashing. And when we take students into our jockey schools globally, the first thing they learn is how to use the whip. Mm -hmm. And I'm a behaviorist. That's my study in life. And you take these very small people. That's genetically what they are because they have to be so light to Mm -hmm. be jockeys they're small people and you give them a whip and they suddenly feel much stronger and much bigger and they learn on mannequin horses how to strike with pain giving fury Mm. and they love it i just watched it happening in a jockey school that i visited recently and you could hear the whips hitting the mannequin horses for two three hundred yards, and they just smile all over when they do it. You're not taking my whip away? That makes me the leader here. And they use their whips unmercifully. Now, those same men will be told that they need to guide the horse with the whip when in fact it's not true. The horses won't be guided by the whip. They will be frightened by the whip. Mm-hmm.
1: So what did you tell these boys, uh, men, that were at the school in Panama?
0: Well, that horses typically win races without the whip more than with the whip, and often horses go against the whip, and it causes a lot of trouble. And, I, I you know, I I think I got them to take a pause, and think about it. But nobody else has been over these years telling them. My first meeting about whips and racing was in 1963 at Hollywood Park. And it hurt me in this business to take that position. Mm. Trainers were against me, and jockeys were against me. The industry was against me. They even said that the bettors were against me because the bettors want to know that the horse is being told to win because they bet on him. Well, none of these things make any sense. It is our it is our inbred tendency to try to control things through force. Mm-hmm. And this species is smarter than that. We never do a good job of controlling things through force. Mm-hmm we do a much better job when we guide and think it through and act in the absence of violence.
1: Mm -hmm. So they're using the words banning the use of the whip for encouragement, quote-unquote. That's the jockey club. What would a jockey possibly say that they would have now in their toolbox for encouraging the horse?
0: Well, their hands and their legs, their mouth, chirping there's a lot of ways. Horses love to run. Mm. They want to run. They're pulling on the reins to run. If they don't want to run, they're not a racehorse. Mm. And so the jockey doesn't have to do that much to encourage the horse to run. And the horse that runs without strong encouragement is genetically a better horse to breed to, or have babies from. So taking the whip away still leaves a winner and a loser. And who wants a winner that has to be whipped to get there? But in fact, it doesn't get them there. It's a fallacy. We, we've been wrong all these decades. I started, like I say, in 63 to say, I'm studying the behavior of horses, and this is not. The way we should be going.
1: You wrote an article, I know, over 20 years, uh, the one I read was over 20 years old, that pretty much outlines what the Jockey Club has concluded. And you throw a few more factoids in there, too, that are pretty darn interesting. I think it was interesting to me in reading most of the news release, press releases and, and articles out yesterday, that their major surveying was in the PR department it was more about surveying potential fans of racing or loss of fans in racing and that the fans were anti whip that it just didn't look right and instead of surveying about the humane treatment of horses you know i guess whatever it whatever vehicle it takes to get here but um why wouldn't they be surveying the results of horse racing and whips.
0: I don't know, Debbie, we fall short in so many ways here in the United States, because why can't we see that other countries have done this decades ago and they've moved in this direction and it works. Why can't they see that it's working in these other countries Mm -hmm. and there are fewer accidents in Norway than there are in California. So, we need to wake up to the fact that we are the last ones to be taking these measures Mm -hmm. and it's time that we get it done it's my pure hope that other factions don't stop down this decision and encouragement um yeah i i don't know what does that leave them for a way out in the striking of a horse does all the jockey has to say is i thought he was going to bolt so i hit him and then it's okay Mm. if that's the case we're not going to do much good with this rule but i'll take anything i can get (laughs) after all these years of Trying to get people to listen to the fact that violence is not the answer.
1: Mm-hmm. It might be interesting to listeners to explain here a little bit about your discoveries of into pressure. Caballo Horse, and Rider, Carol, and Greg Giles, too, have been longtime supporters of the Horsemanship Radio, and we thought, you know what better way to show how their support goes than through the people who buy their boots. So we have this from Brenna Eldridge on a Facebook post. I could not be happier with my decision to transition my horse to barefoot and choosing Cavallo for his hoof protection. I always thought my horse just had bad feet and that he would always be lame barefoot until I realized that I was enabling that dependency. By allowing his feet to adapt back to the way that they were naturally intended, his feet have become strong and he now seems perfectly comfortable barefoot. With the added weight of a rider on rough terrain, I invested in my first pair of Cavallo boots. I went with the Trek boots, and they fit him perfectly. I was able to do anything that I could do in metal shoes, and I have no longer stress over him losing a metal shoe and damaging his hoof when removed. The Cavallo boots have provided him greater shock absorbencies when riding on hard ground, and so far, whether it be on trails or in the arena, he seems extremely comfortable in his boots. I do a variety of riding, including trails, gaming, and drill, and I'm excited to get into the gaming season to put... Truly, those boots detest. I believe that in horsemanship, you have to pick methods that make the most sense to you. And for me, that is the naturality of barefoot and the protection of the Cavallo boots. Brenna.
0: Yeah, you know, in university, where I was operating mostly in the human-to-human area, We learned that flight animals are very different from us humans in that their tendency is to go into pain rather than away from pain. That means that the horse bitten in the flank by a dog can go into the dog and kick him and then get away. Mm. If he just rips away, then his intestines are out and the dogs feed on his flesh. Mm. So into pressure the ones that survived and we have it in our mouth Um, if we're bringing in teeth we will bite down on a hard rubber ring or something into the pain if we have an abscess as an adult we can't keep our tongue from biting down on on that thing and pushing into it it's called positive thigmotaxis and we have it in our mouth and nowhere else, basically, in our body. But the flight animals have it all over their body. And so the horse tends to go into the whip, not away from the whip. And our our schools in equine behavior are not even teaching this. And they need to teach it. Positive thigmotaxis. It's a behavioral pattern that we should know about any time that we're working with horses. Most people who have started horses and done the first ride on them will realize that when you pull on the left rein, they go right, and when you pull on the right rein, they go left. And we have to teach them Mm -hmm. to come off pressure because their tendency is to go into pressure. The same with your legs on the dressage horse. The right leg pushes the horse left, when we teach him to go left in the early stages he goes into the leg putting the pressure on
1: right and it, so it makes perfect sense that into pain or into pressure is counterintuitive or counterproductive to making the horse run faster what about in betweens it sounds like the the jockey club is saying ban all whips ban everything in the hand and i know over the years you've tried to do some transitional suggestions like a nerf whip. Is it better we just toss all the sticks out of the hands now and not even <laughs> deal with, I don't know.
0: Well, Debbie, the thing is, we got to rejoice about any step forward. And if it has to be done incrementally, we can, we can tolerate that because we're not doing very well this way. Yeah. And so Norway, for instance, has made this rule where, okay, Okay, you guys. You can use your whip. You can whip as much as you want. But what we're going to do is we're going to put a rule in that if either hand leaves the reins, you're disqualified. Wow. What are we going to do now? <laughs> so about four races later, the whips stayed in the jockey room, and they didn't even take them with them.
1: Didn't even need because
0: it. all they could do is just flick a horse on the shoulder or something.
1: Right. You is know? it safer they keep both hands on the reins?
0: It sure, it's safer. You can put one hand on the reins and whip a horse, and how do you direct his his actions to go forward? It's much harder when it's one-handed.
1: Mm-hmm. And I would think it throws balance off a bit. I mean, you're you're now not symmetrical up there.
0: No question. When I'm schooling my riders, particularly the young ones, I keep telling them, keep the buttons of your shirt in the middle of the horse. Mm -hmm. Stay in the middle of the horse. If we think about it, if we're carrying a load down the road and we push it off to one side, wow, it's not easy to carry. If you keep it in the middle, it's like the lady with the pot on her head Mm -hmm. in Africa. They can do some fantastic things uh, carrying heavy weight. You have to stay in the middle of the horse. When you start taking the whip down, and then sort of twisting sideways and rearing one arm up Mm -hmm. to the top of the sky and then coming down, crashing on the horse, you are not in the middle of the horse and you're not keeping him in a position whereby he can carry your weight to his advantage. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. So what I'd like to do now is get into a similar topic, but maybe take a part two to this and and start to talk about some things that you've learned about repetitive motions in training, some of the the gastro guards, and some of these things that we're using to, we, we think, help improve the health of a horse in the thoroughbred industry and in other industries too. But the difference. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah Debbie, you know, some things we do in life just come to us from some core belief that we have down inside something is telling us we have intuition that that it's working and i started over 40 years ago it's about 55 years ago now i started altering the speed and the distance of horses in a given session of exercise now let me explain that most trainers at the racetrack will tell a rider go out there and go once around and then pull up, or go out there and trot a quarter of a mile and then gallop once around and pull up. And what I learned was that if we vary the speeds, and now I'm learning that it's even down to three furlongs or three-eighths of a mile, that we need to vary the speeds. And if you don't, it's like bending a wire several times in the same direction, it'll eventually break. And if we take the horse's legs and just keep going the same speed, we're bending them in the same direction all the time. If we trot a while, if we turn around and go the other way, if we change their leads, if we change their speed and go over surfaces that are undulating, it changes them. And it's the answer as to why there's so much more leg trouble in the racing world than there ever is in the show jumping world or the mm-hmm. cutting horses or the rain cow horses, horses that are doing other things that are varying in direction, speed, and activity, will create better bone density and not destroy the cells with the same repetitive action over a long period of time. And many of these horses that go to the racetrack just gallop a mile every day for months before they even race. Mm -hmm. So when you think about it then, you're destroying cells in the bones and now they're proving it with scientific uh, studies that that's true. And there's some really heavy duty people Dr. Bramlish is number one in the world. And Greg Ferraro, Rick Arthur, and Madison Siemens has just come out with a study that I think is is wonderful uh, about this kind of thing. And I started way back in the 60s to vary the speed of horses on given days, taking every other day to do this and every other day to do that. And it has really changed things. And now we're finding out that some of these antacids that we've been giving the horses because of their creation in, within their body of too much acid is also weakening the bone cells. And what is the answer to that? Allow them to eat far more naturally, which means, as Dr. Siemens says, uh, hay nets that Cause them to eat all day. They have to pull a little bit at a time. That's the more natural way for horses to feed themselves, where instead you feed twice a day and lump it in there and boom, 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 they eat it. Then they create the acid. And the acid then requires you, or they get colic, Mm -hmm. to give them some of these substances, imitrizole, gastrogard, tagamet. And all of these things are given because the horse has too much acid. And now they're finding that each of these is destroying bone cells or causing the bone cells to be weaker. And that's why racing is suffering so much in the way of those two things or why racing is suffering so much in the way of fractures and leg problems.
1: So interesting because we've been told, or I guess the the community belief is that we're breeding these horses to be too light-boned and and to have other issues. But it, we may, in fact, be creating that, that situation not through breeding, but through drugs.
0: Yeah, and I suppose you could say it all goes together. Mm-hmm. We're probably allowing fast horses with weak bones to breed more, and we may be weakening it through genetics as well. But here's something we can really do something about, Mm -hmm. and that is feeding in a more natural way and keeping these newfound drugs out of their body, Gastrogard and things like that, which indeed weaken, now we know, the bone cells. Mm -hmm. It is incredible uh, when we stop to think how little we have done to study these things that we now pour into horses and there's people, veterinarians, that say that 85 to 90% of the horses in racing are on some form of antacid. Gastrogard and Tagamet and Emitrazole mm-hmm. are, the, are the main ones. But 85 to 90% are on this artificial thing that we've learned how to make. It's, it's, it's not real.
1: Yeah, I, I heard the interview on Retired Racehorse Radio with uh, Jamie Jennings with Madison Siemens talking about not only the, the pervasiveness of the drugs in our horse's systems, but also that the gastroguard is creating that bone density. It's not a bone density problem because they do feed them, they supplement them, something that creates bone density but decreases bone strength, which is an interesting effect. So we think we're doing the right thing by giving them a, um, it's like for you humans, it's the bonivas, uh, you know, those things that we usually give postmenopausal women to, uh, yeah. yeah. So fascinating that science yeah, it is finally catching. It, it, it.
0: When we x-ray the bones and we find density, that doesn't mean it's strong enough to yeah. stand out. And uh, we're just now finding that out, and we need to support those veterinarians that are doing these mm-hmm. studies, and become more real with our partnership we have with horses in this business mm-hmm. called racing.
1: Yeah, and interesting too. Some of the best nutritionists I've had, uh, Dr. Juliet Getty, on, who is a, a premier nutritionist in in the equestrian world, doesn't have too many thoroughbred trainer clients. Although she rescues thoroughbreds herself and is is very kind and. Loving of thoroughbred races, uh, thoroughbred racehorses, but um, she also added that that acid in horses' stomachs that does run twenty four seven helps break down the proteins in the the feed, the uh, forage that we give our horses, so that they are actually losing that if they if they use the gastric or the um, anti acids or antihistamines, because that uh, protein is going through them instead of into them.
0: Absolutely. Mother Nature wasn't wrong to create acid in the horse's stomach. It's needed, or Mother Nature wouldn't have put it there. Mm-hmm. And But it's needed in a 24-hour basis, not just a lump of it here and a lump of it there, because then it wipes out the acid, and then you don't have the natural tendencies to to digest the proteins that are very, very essential in the horse body.
1: Mm-hmm. So learning all this recently, pr- pretty much recently, because the science is just now coming out about it, it gives me the impression that we keep going back to what did nature put in there first and why aren't we doing it, which is, you know, the, the giggle part of this is they keep getting it right. Nature keeps getting it right and the horses keep getting it right. We just keep avoiding doing right but what what does this make you want to change in your training operation now
0: well that's interesting because you know in 1973 your mother and i began to buy yearlings and sell them as Mm two-year-olds and we did it to try to keep the farm together and and so forth and we led the world for 18 years till the queen called We led the world for 18 years in the production of yearlings purchased in one sale and put in another sale as two-year-olds in training. Now, during the course of that, something told me about this changing the distances and changing the speeds of the horses in training, which was very important. And now I'm looking back at the results over these years And we purchased, they call it pin hooking, we purchased 195 yearlings. And we had a target to sell those yearlings on a given day in March, purchased them in September. On a given day in March, we're going to sell them. What percentage do you think we got through successfully? Remember, we have to put the first saddle and the first rider on, then we have to get them fit. Then we have to go fast Mm -hmm. to sell them. Mm -hmm. What percentage could we sell? Well, we bought 195 and we sold 195.
1: Impossible.
0: So it's impossible. Nobody will believe it's true, but it's in the record books. There it is. Those are the ones we bought. Those are the ones we sold. And I look back on it and say, How did I know this? Well, the horses were telling me. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the horses were telling me that when I altered their distance and speed and stuff, they were staying sounder. And I can't remember giving one dose of GastroGard. There you go. I didn't have, and I used hay nets, and I was told to keep them eating over long periods of time. Mm -hmm. But I, I was just acting out of a natural tendency that came from an intuition that i was getting it right and the percentage increase on the prices we got would put wall street to shame Mm -hmm. it's unbelievable we had some hundred percent increase years we had an average of about 45 percent increase in the price paid and then the price received I I, I look back on it and say, why did I ever stop? Well, one reason was that Hollywood Park tore down the pavilion and they moved to a half-mile track at Pomona where everybody was going just an eighth of a mile in 10 seconds, whipping every stride, and I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. We didn't put whips on those horses to go a quarter of a mile. I wouldn't want my buyers to see the horses being whipped. They went a quarter of a mile in and 22 and change almost every time, and a few in 21 and change, because they were sound. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, these, these principles are there for us now, mm-hmm. with good scientific evidence that they're true. But that's, the, that's what I got lucky doing, just taking it from intuition and watching my horses and and seeing to it each day that they got what they seemed to need. And it worked out.
1: Do you think the industry is ready for that?
0: I can only hope that you can't wish for anybody else, but I am helping an operation now in my final years that want to do everything I've learned. And I'm very very confident that they will stay with me and that we will produce champions
1: that's wonderful so that's one trainer at a time so with this news what do you do what do you do with this do you go support the jockey club do you uh sit back and watch what happens what do you do
0: well one of the things that i do is i hear the phone ring i pick it up and I hear my daughter say, this is Debbie, and let's do a, a recording that goes out to horse people all over the United States. Let's do a recording on the principles involved in this and see if we can get people to see a way to treat our partners, the four-legged partners, in a better way than we have in the past.
1: It's wonderful. Well, thank you for doing that.
0: That's quite alright, I'm happy to do it. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't
2: have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty.
3: Leave this world a better place. Than the
1: magic in the language of the
3: herd. Dear Monty. My horse has difficulty taking the bit. It was recommended by someone that I use a bitless bridle for her, but I don't know how to use one and no one will help me. They will only help with a bit. My horse has never bitten, reared, bucked, or been difficult in any way. She just gets very scared of the bit. Monty's answer. I sympathize with the problem you are having. Horses often come to me in the same condition you have outlined in your question. I will never understand how professional horsemen can feel that violence and brutality can solve the condition you have described. This behavior is one of the few where I recommend a food substance. I place honey first on a stick and ask the horse to take the stick in its mouth, licking the honey off. I then put honey on a bit with no bridle and repeat the process. Before long, the horse will follow me around and attempt to put the bit on himself. I have had good outcomes from this process. Often horses will become fearful when they hear the sound of metallic bits. In such cases, mylar or happy mouth bits are quite effective. They are made from a plastic type substance that will take the honey quite well. The honey taste will remain on the soft mouse piece and you can put it on and take it off many times with your horse still experiencing the taste of the honey. Note that it is quite possible to work without a bridle on the bit. It is easiest to work with the bit as a solo object without reins either. Get in the mood to have fun with this. I recommend that you work with your horse in a box stall. If you put the horse's tail in a safe corner, then it is easier to approach the muzzle area. Don't be forceful with the honey-coated stick. Start by putting it in the corner of the mouth and onto the tongue. Continue this work until you can pass it through the front teeth and onto the tongue so that the horse tastes the honey. Experience is always valuable in these areas. I would like you to realize that with my decades of work with horses, I can take the most difficult sort and cause them to reach out consciously and take the bit in two or three sessions of 45 minutes to an hour. When you can achieve this level of acceptance from your horse, it's fun. When it is fun, it happens faster and more effectively. Wherever a bitless bridle can be advantageous to the owner, I recommend using the Dooley Halter. It can serve as a normal halter and is invaluable for educating the horse in many areas covered by answers of my book. It comes complete with its own DVD to help you in learning to use it. For more of
1: these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips.
0: Hi, I'm Monty Roberts. And I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forums, And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at montyroberts.com. The wide, wide world of sports is going on here. Where in the world is Monty Roberts?
1: Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. September 29, Monty Roberts will be at the Scottish National Equestrian Center in Oatridge. Then he heads October 12th to the Hadlow College in Hadlow part of the tour. And then he tours off on October 18th. He'll be at Hartbury College in Hartbury. In between, he's training for the Queen, name dropper. And October 20, he'll be at Myerscoe College in Billsboro. So he hopes to see you there. Then he's going to be doing some Horsens Healing and some things that are off the calendar because they're not public. But we're really excited that he's doing Horsens and Healing in both Ireland Germany and England now, and then he will be November sixteenth at the uh, Monty Roberts tour in Poland, and you can get all that on the site. Then he'll be back home for a horse sense and healing December thirteen through fifteen. And long term planners, heads up: the movement twenty twenty will be in June. June 21, 22, and 23. And you can go right now for a placeholder website called themovement2020.com.
2: And if you were not able to commit all of that to memory, I certainly wasn't. You can find I could hardly speak it. (laughs) (laughs) You can hardly read it, right? You can find (laughs) all of that and more at bonnieroberts.com. That's the website. Or you can give the folks at Flag Is Up Farms a call, 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, episode 143, you can go to HorsemanshipRadio.com. You'll find links, photos, and more information about today's guests and topics. We love your feedback. A great place to give us feedback and communicate and tell us all about what you want to hear coming up on the podcast. Do that on Facebook. Just go to Facebook. Type in Monty Roberts at the top. Click on the one that has the little blue circle check mark. That's the official Monty Roberts Facebook page. You can also follow Monty on Twitter, Monty underscore Roberts, as well as Instagram, the same. And get the mm-hmm. app for your iPhone and Android. You should be able to carry your podcasts with you wherever you go. They're the most mobile way to have fun listening to horse topics. And Horse Radio Network has its very own app. It's free and easy to use and ad free. Just go to your app store, search Horse Radio Network, download today, and help your friends download it. They'll appreciate it.
1: <laughs> That's true. Those low-tech, because we're so high-tech. So That's right. <laughs> Many thanks to our sponsors, too. We really do adore Omega Fields and all the people there. And also Cavallo of boots and Cavallo pads, all the p- great products that they have. And follow their social medias, too. They're a lot of fun. And also, com. That's our reason for being. So be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours.